When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jonah Hill wearing his Richard Pryor t-shirt giving his teacher like loads of shit with loads of F-bombs I still found particularly funny and the penises drawings at the end are still hilarious so I I was a fan of Superbad I'd seen it at least once possibly twice I remember laughing a lot and I thought it was a nice thing to revisit and I am a big fan of coming of age films film set over one day so so yeah I was looking forward to it <laughs> was it <laughs> <laughs> was okay what happened <laughs> um well i think as we might discuss i don't think it holds up as well as i thought it did in short <laughs> hey everybody welcome to this episode of flitzwater podcast today i'm joined by babs hello sophie hello and helen hello and we are talking super bad Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Fix Watcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Sophie and Babs. If you could please say hello and tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and your podcasts, please. Hi, yeah, so I am Barbara Mendes-George and I'm one of the two hosts of Over Underrated, which is a music podcast. So the way that it works is me and my co-host Fran think of a topic like a place, like Leeds or a genre like punk, and we pick a band or artist that one of us thinks is overrated and the other one thinks is underrated. And then through a curated playlist, we try and change each other's minds, basically, because while we <laughs> do have some things in common, we disagree on a lot. Well, it's just, it's a, you know, the cat's is for good conversation. So I've listened, listened to a few of your episodes and as a mank and as a kid that grew up of the 80s, that grew up in the 90s and went out, I was mm -hmm. looking at the Oasis versus uh, Shed 7, both bands I like a lot. So I, right. I was like, well, they're both great. Um, then I Oasis can only apologise because uh, I'm not a huge <laughs> Oasis fan, as you probably discovered. <laughs> I did. I could understand that. For me, it's, it, there's diminishing returns for me with a lot of Oasis stuff. But the, the first two were simply like soundtrack to my life. But Shed 7, I, I do definitely think um, within a certain fraction of people haven't heard enough Shed 7. So I can understand that. And you know, can you tell us about some of the other challenges you you've raised against each other yeah so shed seven by the way huge pretty big fan now after that episode um i think some of the more difficult ones i tried to convince fran that alt j weren't overrated and i totally failed uh he just thought they were boring and i see him commenting about that on on social media i don't think i felt as passionately about anything as oasis uh but with the manchester one cortinas was one where yeah. i think we were all just like yeah just a little, bit, a little bit overrated like we we all agreed at the beginning we all agreed at the end really so sorry cortinas 
I, yeah, I don't get, I don't get cottons no, at all. We're all. I think we're all in agreement on that one. <laughs> Very good. I'm glad. I think there's a certain subset of, Man- subset of Manchester that really digs in bad, Mike. It's, mm. not, it's not for me. And you had on one episode, um, you're talking about S Club 7 versus Liberty X, which is why you brought Sophie in uh, to talk S Club 7, which kind of leads into your podcast, Sophie. Yeah, crossover. Um, yeah, I, I'm Sophie Davis. I have two TV-related podcasts. Um, one is called Smash Prawns in a Milky Basket, and it celebrates the work of Julia Davis. And then the other podcast, which you've already alluded to, is called It's an S-Pod Thing. And I'm basically re-watching every episode of S Club 7's weird TV show. And a different guest joins me to kind of analyze the madness of each episode. Because it's a very weird show that we've all kind of collectively forgotten, even though it ran for about four or five years. Weird is the word I I think definitely you picked the right word. I mean, I remember it existing, but I've never seen it. So, Helen, you must have been at university when this was on. Was this one of the kind of things you just kind of caught in glimpses when you were supposed to be studying? Well, I, I, I had a gap between A-levels and university and I was actually working in the, in the music shop around the time uh-huh. S Club 7. So I would have been selling CDs to bright-eyed, bushy-tailed S Club 7 fans probably <laughs> at that time. But I kind of vaguely remember the TV show, but as I said, I've never actually seen it. So it, it just sounds completely bonkers that's the thing they're still remembered you know the songs are still very much remembered but the tv show Mm. people have kind of forgot that it happened even though there's 50 plus episodes of it (laughs) yeah i've 100 seen an episode but i can't tell you what happened in it and yeah the the songs have lived on should i say (laughs) and fueled a lot of my university life you know the pop night in university yeah cheesy pop night (laughs) cheesy pop night and i do um in your episode you talked about S Club 7 versus Liberty X. And Liberty X, I prefer them to hearsay massively. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were definitely, they were longer lasting and people don't necessarily Mm. remember that. But um, yeah, hearsay was pretty much one album and out, really. Like they did a few other things. Was it one single even? Yeah, probably. Whereas Liberty X were uh, churning out some good tunes, I think. Yeah, I think Sophie helped us uncover quite a few actually that we didn't know either. So that was, that was really good to have a 10 track playlist from you yeah definitely underrated yeah definitely underrated and yeah you were saying that it was difficult to remember the s club 7 episode so i i also guessed it on sophie's uh podcast that i can barely remember what we discussed (laughs) because it's so weird and has no no storyline so uh yeah i think uh even you must forget sometimes sophie the madness yeah they vary like sometimes there's a whole episode and you think this plot's being very dragged out and sometimes you watch another episode and it's got too much plot if anything because they have different writers for different episodes there's no consistency it's just it's all very odd (laughs) well talk about writing and plot and and filming we're talking about Superbad today which is your choice sophie Mm mm-hmm can you tell us first of all why you chose it and then I'll get the timer up and give you a countdown of which you've got to explain the synopsis in less than 60 seconds. So what, why I chose, I, I love Superbad. I never saw it in the cinema, but I had it on DVD when I was a teenager, which must have been not long after it came out, like maybe, well, it came out in 2007, so I probably bought it in like 2008 or 2009. So it was the right sort of time in my life, really, as a teenager. I've seen it many times, but not that much in recent years. So that's why I chose it for the podcast, really, because I, I felt like revisiting it to see if it still mm. holds up. Okay, and the timer starts now. 
So Seth and Evan are two best friends about to graduate high school. They have another friend called Fogel, who's a bit of a third wheel. And when he tells them he's getting a fake ID, they basically agree to get a load of alcohol for a party to try and impress these two girls that they like. Um, The story unfolds mostly over just one day, where initially they're at school, Fogel then goes to buy the alcohol after school with this terrible fake ID, which says he's called McLovin, no first name. And there's a bit of a misunderstanding where Seth and Evan believe that Fogel has been arrested in the store. So at that point, they go their separate ways. And for the rest of the night, Seth and Evan are desperately trying to get hold of some alcohol from anywhere for free. Whereas um, sort of unbeknownst to them, Fogel has all the alcohol and he's just kind of hanging out with these two cops for the evening. Uh, And then when they do ultimately reunite at the party, things don't go the way they planned with the girls, really. Oh, that was good. I'm pleased with myself. Just under. (laughs) Helen or Babs, what was your impressions of Superbad on this rewatch and and your previous history with it? So I I was a fan of Superbad. I'd seen it at least once, possibly twice. And I was quite glad that Sophie picked it for similar reasons, really. I remember laughing a lot and I thought it was a nice thing to revisit. And I am a big fan of, you know, coming of age films, film set over one day so so yeah i was looking forward to it <laughs> was it <laughs> was okay what happened um well i think as we might discuss i don't think it holds up as well as i thought it did in short <laughs> any any points there to make helen well i, I was just gonna say um I, I definitely saw this at the cinema i don't think i've seen it since then uh i can't remember seeing it so this is probably like only my second watch my God, it could have been shorter. That's definitely the thing I'm going to come out and say. It definitely could have been shorter. I thought it was still very funny in places, but I think my mind had kind of blocked out the amount of time that we spend with the two particularly unfunny cops. And I enjoyed like hanging out with the kids, but like the time spent with the cops, I think the the humour has not particularly aged well then. Although I couldn't remember whether maybe we're not meant to find them funny and we're just meant to find them dicks i don't know i couldn't remember but jonah hill wearing his richard Pryor t-shirt giving his teacher like loads of shit with loads of f-bombs i still found particularly funny and the penises drawings at the end are still hilarious so i don't know whether that makes my humor good or bad or whether i've not aged very well i don't was it the cops you were thinking about babs when he said not not um not aging well well actually it was it was kind of the language you know mm. the amount of time they call people gay talk about being a pussy the fact that it's kind of acceptable in some ways to talk about like oh she's going to be drunk so you can get with her i was just like yeah. red flags all over I, I i do agree that there are still some very funny bits those two sections i had forgotten how amazing christopher mintz platz is as an actor like because uh, i think i've only seen him reading really kick-ass apart from this and he just is the perfect awkward teenage nerd so that absolutely still holds up he's a promising young woman recently isn't he uh christopher mintz platz of course he is yeah briefly yeah. you're right I don't know, yeah. Sophie. What, what are your thoughts? You, you said was in your in your uh, introduction as to why you wanted to. You thought it was very funny. Yeah, that- I think I, I still found it very funny. I think in terms of what you've said about the cops, I think I prefer the Seth and Evan side of things to the Fogel and the cops side of things. Um, as you said, slightly overly long. They could have cut out some of the cop scenes, maybe. I think where it gets sort of the most iffy with the cops towards the end is when. 
you know, they accidentally hit Seth with the car and they kind of turn mm. and become very threatening, like Bill Hader has got his gun out. And then I think if the film was made now, they possibly would have left it there. Whereas in the film as it is, they then come back after that at the party and are like the comedic characters again. And I think, yeah, if they were doing it now, they would have possibly like had them turn and then that was the end of those characters. Whereas they get brought back and are like, hey, let's break up the party. We're the funny cops. Um, Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's difficult. I think it hasn't aged as badly as some other comedies from that time. Um, the bar is quite low. I mean, Knocked Up came out in the same year, like just a few months apart. And yeah. I think that has aged a lot worse. Um, and even like the 40-year-old Virgin was only a few years before that. I think that's aged a lot worse. So for me, I, I thought it still held up quite well overall. I would happily watch it again. Um, you mentioned the, the kind of the premise of the... Um, we're going to get some alcohol and go to the party and then the girls might want to get off with us because everyone's drunk. Again, I think it could have been worse because the way it ends up is that, you know, Michael Sarah's character in particular is very uncomfortable about the whole situation when it actually comes to it. And I think yeah. at the time that does kind of differentiate the film from a lot of other films where that would have perhaps gone ahead and it would have been a sort mm -hmm. of funny scenario um with evan it is a bit more like he immediately feels like oh, this isn't right even though he gets drunk as well thinking oh that will make it a bit more even even when he does get drunk he's kind of like yeah this isn't really how it should be and puts a stop to it yeah i, I can agree with that and i thought it was especially good that seth and jules they don't get together i thought that was quite good because mm. yeah it's sending them that message but one of the last scenes it's seth pointing at her and going i'm gonna fuck her like he's mouthing i'm gonna fuck her and i was just like oh it's like these entitled little i mean it, it felt a bit incelly, you know like it was just these these teenage boys who who i don't know yet i i feel had a bit of a no but we are entitled to these women I, mean, I, I may i may be exaggerating a little bit but i was just like oh this this doesn't fly anymore for me like i i couldn't detach myself from that enough to to really kind of find it funny overall more, i found it more funny in parts i definitely prefer the becca and evan relationship because it is established earlier on as well that she does actually fancy him like when they're mm -hmm. talking in school it's very awkward and he's almost sort of oblivious to the fact that she does quite clearly like him and is interested in him and so the alcohol thing is kind of like it's completely unnecessary for him really it's more seth is convincing him that that's what needs to happen um whereas yeah the seth and jules relationship is very imbalanced because she you know in just in terms of like looks and you know popularity within the school i think their relationship is a bit harder to get your head around but yeah as you said they're not definitely together at the end hopefully they're just friends and I, I found Seth really annoying like really really annoying in a way really? that I absolutely didn't yeah I was just like I really wanted him to shut up it's <laughs> just like oh you, you look yeah I don't I don't know no I think the I think things like Promising Woman obviously held a spotlight on on the um taking advantage of, of people when they're of women when they're drunk in particular so the aspect of I didn't in, in the first five minutes there's that tirade that Seth has and his monologuing and it shows how great John Hill is as a comedic character. And this is the first time I saw him and remember him. I think he was in Knocked Up as well, but he's probably played a minor character. And like I said, 
him facing up to the teacher, hilarious. The way he intonates and his rhythm is brilliant, but the words that he's forced to say in the script, and I say forced, it probably wasn't forced to say, and some points we're just like, oh, dude, that's just not, that's not cool anymore. Like Babs is saying the gay jokes and Colin Fogel, a derivative of, you know, I'm not going to say it now because every time that happens, it's just like, yep. That's that's not cool. I mean, it was the time. Like I, I, I remember people using that language, but yeah, it's just it's funny how some it, it isn't that old, but it jars already. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy how old, how quickly that dates. But then there was some amazing. I mean, like they're ripping into Fogel when he gets them a club in uh, ID. It's just pure, exactly what would happen if I was I was at school and someone <laughs> did something that idiotic. It would have absolutely torn him a new one. So I love that interplay uh, and banter that they do have, and some of that interplay and banter they do have. When it's talking about girls, it's kind of what we did do when we were younger. So I can, it's not savory, it's not kind hearted, but it was kind of what people thought that let's get drunk and let's hook up with people because that's probably the easiest way to do it when you didn't need to. So as well as the um, Evan not hooking up with with Becca because he thought he was uncomfortable with it. I really, really love the Jules and Seth bit where she was like, oh, I'm not drinking. I'm just here having the party for everyone else. If we want to get together, let's do it when we're sober. Please. So I really love that kind of. I think that th- that sets it apart. And then she other, like catches him places. crying a little bit afterwards on the drive yeah. when yeah. he's trying to hide his face from her. <laughs> that did make me laugh. I think yeah, I think Jonah Hill's really good. He's just kind of he's got a kind of weird frantic energy. Like he's constantly kind of pumped up for some reason for, for like nothing in particular. <laughs> and then obviously Michael Sarah is like just quite sort of adorably awkward and then Christopher Mintz Plass is just like an alien like I think I read they just kind of cast him from like a local high school they'd had open auditions and he'd never been in anything before oh really yeah and apparently when he auditioned with the other actors Jonah Hill really found him annoying like was like you can't cast that guy and then Seth Rogen was like well obviously we have to cast him now because that's the whole point he's supposed to be an irritating character and we've had a few of these films we recently recorded i don't know if it's out yet american graffiti uh, by the time this goes out and also uh book smart which are the, the kind of set in one night films and book smart i guess the direct counterpoint to this because it's two female characters versus two male characters and one of the characters is actually john hill's sister mm-hmm. yeah. um and being have you guys seen book smart and yes. what, what were your thoughts on that yeah i have and i i think that was maybe part of the problem i couldn't help but compare it to book smart which i just rewatched recently for a kind of virtual film club that i have with friends and it's so much better so much i find it's just so much more sophisticated in storyline but still very funny mm. i i think yeah maybe it did cloud my judgment of of super bad because even the on secondary watch of book smart i was like oh wow you really can't tell where this is going to go or how it's going to end whereas yeah uh definitely super bad was an influence and a template but uh yeah it felt a little bit more basic for me yeah i like how in book smart the kind of problem they need to solve is just to find out where the party is like it feels a lot more <laughs> innocent doesn't it and just kind of Mm. like I don't know just a bit more friendly like you because you get the sense even though they're kind of like the nerds when they do get to the party everyone is quite friendly towards them and that is maybe a bit more reflective of high school nowadays potentially it's less sort of combative and like cliquey I guess maybe you hope hopefully (laughs) I think that was a storyline in the uh 21 Jump Street films wasn't it oh yeah they were like um Oh, it was Glee's fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think think when Superbad is at its best is when it's kind of focusing on this kind of fallout of friendship where basically Seth and Evan are realising that actually they're, they're going to be split up and all that time they had spent together, whereas 
he they kind of in the fallout he sort of says you know I hated it but deep down they're actually at this situation where they're they're going to be moving apart from each other and it's making them quite emotional about it and then in comes Fogel to kind of upset that balance so those kind of moments are actually quite sweet and and quite relatable and kind of it focused a little bit more I think on that than some of the other things in there then it might have been a bit more rounded and might have had kind of maybe have aged a little bit better because when those three are together and they're kind of being teenage boys although I can't quite work out what age they're meant to be because they're all obviously different ages as their actors but that's kind of when well, it's at its best yeah well Jonah Hill was 23 in this so he's I thought he looks I thought he looks very young in this um, yeah I, I think the way he was he, the way he kind of awkwardly walked I was horrified to learn that in this film, Seth Rogen and Bill Hader are 25 and 29. I I was shook when I found that out. Um, So there's not that big an age difference between Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill, um, because obviously the character of Seth is based on Seth Rogen, and when they were originally writing it, he was going to play that part, and then he became an adult man who couldn't pass (laughs) for a teenager, whereas Jonah Hill is an adult man, but he can pass for a teenager a lot more convincingly um but yeah what, what you were saying about the friendship aspect of the film I, I yeah I think it's interesting how in the opening of the film it's very kind of crude you know they're like talking about porn a lot and I think mm. someone yeah that Evan's mum I think asks them like oh are you gonna miss each other next year and they're being very like oh no I'm not yeah I'm gonna cry myself to sleep every night whereas at the very end of the film they're basically like snuggling up together and talking about how they love each other and are going to miss each other and I, I quite like that arc and like at the very end even when they're at the mall and then they kind of split away to hang out with the girls they're so kind of dependent on each other that um Seth is kind of like I guess I'll call you then like they don't know what to do like when they're hanging out with other people yeah I thought the scene where they're in the sleeping bags um is it Seth's no Evan's house yeah where he's like oh I love you man and yeah we should be able to say that that is that is quite touching uh and I think as you said Helen like if they'd focused on that a little bit more rather than the storyline I I also think it would have been a bit more well-rounded okay well let's head to the scores I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scoring system. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Sophie, with your recommendability. Uh, I've gone for three. As I said, I I think it's held up okay. Uh, Because it's an adult comedy, there's obviously a lot of swearing, so I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. But I would recommend it to friends who are my sort of age and, you know, haven't seen it before and like that sort of humour. Barbara? Um, I've gone for two because I I still think it is sort of 
important in the canon of sort of Judd Apatow comedies. And there are some funny bits, but uh, yeah, I, I think there's there's too much too much negative things for me to give it a bit of a higher score. Helen, yeah, I was I was going into this kind of looking forward uh, to watching it and remember laughing at the cinema. Um, I do think it's far too long, and there's as we've discussed some things that haven't quite aged as well. I don't really know who I would recommend it to who hasn't already seen it in terms of like anyone seeing it first time now would probably be a bit like, well, this is a bit not sure. So I'm going to go with a three as well. Uh, I'm going to go for a 3.5. I'd give some warnings. Um, but yeah, it's not blanket. It's not blanket um, recommendations. Everyone um, came out in 2007, which is what, 14 years ago. I thought it was, for some reason I thought it was like, Three years ago, that's how how it's, it's, the time's passed a bit too, a bit quicker than I uh, remember it doing. So it, I think that the thing with the language is that it's aged that quickly, isn't it? Um, in fourteen years, we've gone from I don't know, randomly throwing out gay curse words to um, to now thinking that's not acceptable as a passing kind of joke, is it? Yeah, I rewatched the In Betweeners quite recently, and that's from a similar mm. era, and it's. A lot worse, I would say. It's constantly really interesting. Is worse? <laughs> yeah. I thought for some reason in between might be better. Oh, I don't know. Oh, they oh they had they had jokes about Neil's dad, didn't they? Yeah, or it just casually just like sort of mm. insulting each other, yeah. And uh attitude towards girls and stuff. But it, I guess it you could just say that is how boys talked at the time. Probably not all boys, but you know, that's kind of the argument really, isn't it? Repeat viewing score, Sophie. I've gone for four. I tend to rewatch comedies a lot, more than any other genre of film, really. Um, and yeah, I, I'd happily give this another rewatch in a year or so. You know, not every week, but um, yeah, I really like rewatching comedies like this. Barbara, I've gone for one point five because <laughs> I, I feel like I'm. I'm not saying that I'm never going to watch it again, but I felt like. I'm kind of done with it now, I think. Uh, but I, it would be, I think, as a period piece, again, is why I put the point five to in, in 10, 20 years time, you know, why, why not watch it again? <laughs> Helen? Yeah, I, I, I'll give it a two, one for each time I've seen it. Unlikely to go back um, and quite unlikely to go back to the ones we've mentioned or they they've knocked up in the 40-year-old version because I'm kind of like remembering bits of that and it's just a bit like, oh, you know, time moves quite fast in comedy. And uh, yeah, <laughs> two. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I can't see myself. I, I watched it quite a lot. I didn't watch it in the cinema, but it was one of those things where it was one of the stages in my life where I was still in my house or friends' houses would hang out quite a lot and Superbad would come on quite quickly because it was really easy to at least enjoy the first half hour together and everyone would be laughing at the first half hour. When it kind of splits up, people could kind of flow in and out of the film if they wanted to. So it came on quite quickly quite often but yeah going forward when you suggested i was like oh yeah okay let's see how this holds up as a challenge and better in some places worse than others but that means i think low repeat viewing so let's go for 2.2 small screen score sophie uh five because i don't think this suffers from being watched on the small screen i know some people really love watching comedies in the cinema you know because of the audience and everything but that doesn't really bother me i'm quite happy to watch a comedy film just on my own on the small screen Barbara. Yeah, I went for a four. Um, as I can't remember whether I watched this at the cinema or not. I don't think so. I think I've only ever watched it on a small screen. But yeah, I I, I think it was absolutely fine to watch on a small screen. And um, I also th feel they didn't lose very much. So it was at four? At uh, four, yeah. Helen. Yeah, a five. Um, having watched it at the cinema and on the small screen, 
I think you're probably going to get the uh, the same level of enjoyment watching it on either. Yeah, I think it would have been quite fun to watch in the cinema with other people, but I, I wouldn't go to Prince Charles to watch it now mm-hmm. based on conversations we've just had. So I'm going to go for five as well for small screen score. Engagement score, Sophie? Um, Four, because this is such a kind of beloved film from my past, when I'm watching it, I feel like, you know, I'm thinking about all the moments that are coming up, all the kind of set pieces, and I want to carry on watching to see like, oh, Joe Latruglio is going to show up in a minute and that sort of thing. So yeah. I've gone for four. <laughs> Oh, there's a whole scene at the other party, which, again, the first time I found it hilarious, but now rewatching it was just like, that is, there's no need for that. So, yeah, that's another, that, that was a low. Uh, sorry, Barbara, engagement score. This one was difficult. I put 2.5 because, on the one hand, I think I agree with her then that it is quite long. And I think I was also probably from watching it on a small screen, not giving it 100% my full attention, especially after realizing like, it hasn't aged very well. But I, I do think it does. It trundle along reasonably nicely and uh and and yeah can i i say kobe as well yeah I, I think it would be nice to watch it this and more with other people uh i'm sure that would make it more engaging as well helen uh i'm gonna give it a three it really dragged for me the extended kind of cop thing it was like i want to get back to the party i want to kind of see them back together and you know not spend any more time with these cops so yeah three for me yeah engagement i think the first half is better um, aside from the, the language, um, and then it kind of does fade away a bit. So 2.3, and that gives us an overall score of 3.25000. Um, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. That's what I thought before coming in here. Should we head to Twitter, guys? Yes. If this is the first time you're listening to us, uh, do follow us on uh, Twitter. We are at FlixWatcherPod. And one of the main reasons to follow us is because we put a shout out before we go into the recordings where you can get your opinions heard as well. Uh, we put a tweet out like this. We're reviewing Superbad with S-Pod Thing and OU Music. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and score out five stars for on our shout out. And uh, we had one response today. And Sophie, do you want to read out the response? Yeah, this is from Space Castle Pod. Uh, they say... Five stars. Love Superbad. It's perhaps the last great teen comedy and it's endlessly rewatchable. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg wrote an all-timer. And that's great. Obviously, the, the two main characters are called Seth and Evan because Seth, these guys, they wrote it when they were in high school, I believe, to, just to see if they could write a script. And then when they became a bit more famous, they said, well, let's see if we can produce a script. And and they did. Um, so in that kind of on that kind of basis, I'm like, fair play to you guys. It's awesome. And, you know, power to them. But where's Evan Goldberg at the moment? Isn't he making vases? That's what, that's what I see on Twitter. He's making like really impressive vases. That's all I know at the moment. Really? Is that a lockdown thing? <laughs> Probably. Do you know what his first, Seth, uh, Seth Rogen's first film was? No. Not sure. Helen, you must know. I don't. Not off the top of my head. It was Donnie Darko. Was he in that? Oh, really? Oh, he's one of the kids yeah. at the bus it's stop, isn't he? Kids just, there's one of the kids who just hangs out with Donnie Darko. They're the ones that Donnie has to go about the Smurf uh, and Gargamel to them um it is oh, weird that donnie darko definitely worth a rewatch as well yeah absolutely sophie and babs can you tell us where we can find your podcasts and say thank you and goodbye to everyone who's listening uh, so yeah i'm on twitter at it's sophie davis and my podcast it's nest pod thing is wherever you get your podcasts from uh my podcast over underrated music pod is also wherever you find good podcasts and we're on twitter at ou music pod on Instagram at overunderrated music pod because you could have more space there. And <laughs> I'm at flame underscore me underscore up on all the platforms because it's a song by a Belgian band that I chose when I was 15 and it's now my online identity. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it happens. Love it. 
Uh, thank you so much for joining us, guys. It's been great to talk about Superbad again. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.